from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. As a reminder to our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each so segment available. Head on over, and if you like what you hear, we would appreciate your subscription. What's going on, guys? Big weekend uh, stuff to get to, right? Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of football. It's all football today. Let's do it. Mm, I like it. Let's talk some sports, baby. You know what it is. Go and pull up a seat. You know we got to speak. Let's roll, baby. All right. In episode 10, Baker gets benched. The Dolphins turn to Tua, and the tide is rolling. Let's begin tonight with a Monday night football massacre. The Dallas Cowboys are boat raced out of Jerry World 38-10 and the first full game without Dak Prescott. The Cardinals jumped out to a quick lead thanks to Ezekiel Elliott fumbles and barely got on the board before halftime. The Cardinals poured it on in the second half, dominating both sides of the ball and stifled any comeback attempt. The Cardinals improved to 4-2 and two and remain in a tight NFC West race. Meanwhile, the Cowboys inexplicably remain in first place in the NFC East, I, I guess because, well, they're in the NFC East. So, Jay, obviously the national story is the Cowboys, so, you know, what's up with them? But also, we got to give this Cardinals team some love, right? Yeah, we got we to gotta give the Cardinals some, some respect. Um, they deserve it so far. They're off to a, a solid start, 4-2. and two. I, think, um, I think all of us um, had some sort of a notion that we felt the Cardinals could be a team on the rise. I think, I think they're a little ahead of the pace that we thought they might be. I didn't quite see them uh, in the playoff hunt this season and um there's still still a lot of games to be played so we don't know how they'll continue to fare and we know how uh tough the nfc west has been so far uh with seattle off to their great start uh the rams look pretty good as well and despite injuries um 49ers i don't believe we've seen the last of them um but they're they're playing they're playing well i think defensively is kind of where they've um it's been a real surprise how competent they've been and they, uh, last night was probably the best performance they've had of the season um, they really got after it um, did a really nice job of defending the running game which the Cowboys probably should I don't know look to rely on that a little more um, but they but they've been pretty good uh, Kyler Murray had some had not, not a great night throwing the football I mean when you're just nine of 24 that's nothing spectacular about that um, but he the, the one, uh, the 80-yard touchdown to Christian Kirk, that was an absolute dime. Um, and he's, he's, got, he's got a world of upside. Um, his running ability, I think outside of uh, Lamar Jackson, you probably look at Kyler Murray as probably the second best 
I think, running quarterback out there. He's, he's just simply electric. He's, he's seemingly untouchable. Um, so so they're, they're doing well. You got to give Cliff Kingsbury a little credit as well. They appear to be headed on the right track, so good on them. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, but what a contrast. Um, the, the Cardinals could be doing that well at 4-2, and two, and you can still be, um, you know, out of the playoff or maybe somewhere bottom line. They're not in first place. That would, but that would be the Cowboys. Cowboys can, you know, they can just continue to look putrid in mostly all areas. But you could be two and four. You could be at first place. So I'm not even sure what the problem is. That, that it, I mean, you could go, I don't know, six and ten and win, win this division perhaps. Um, oh, I know what the problem is. Yeah. The, the anyway. The division sucks. That's well, the problem. That, well, that is, that is you know. <laughs> division is very bad. You know what? Well, well, we'll get to Thursday night football a little bit later. That's going to be. I can't wait till Friday when we have to when we do that game. Dallas, you know what? At least before this game, the one thing we could say about Dallas, at least they could score. They could run some. They could put some points on the board. Well, they couldn't even do that last night. Um, and what you know, I'm still I'm still of the mindset. Andy Dalton can play in this offense. I don't think it. I don't think it's a big. It's that big a drop off between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. I don't. But last night, it's not. It's not one of those situations where I can really lean too heavily on that argument, because um, they were atrocious last night. And you know, you know, one of the things I looked at because you look at Zeke last night. Zeke carried the ball twelve times, forty nine yards. He lost two fumbles. At one point, I think he was taken out of the game uh, for Tony Pollard. I think that was by design. Um, but they, but they, the, the Cowboys formula to me, and they got, they got away from it last year, right after they paid Zeke and they decided, you know what, we're going to be a drop back, you know, 40, 50 time passing game team rather than run the football, which seemingly since Dak and Zeke have entered the league together, they have been run first and they're not run first anymore. And I, I just still don't understand that, but that is their problem. They don't have the right formula, and that's not – Mike McCarthy's never been a guy who has been uh, a, a really run-the-ball type of guy. So they've continued to do what they did last season in Dallas. That's similar. That's kind of what Mike McCarthy's done for the majority of his uh, coaching career. And it just doesn't seem to work. And especially when you consider how Dallas's defense is struggling, you would think a running game and maybe a little time possession would uh, be able to help those guys as well. Uh, they're they're just not doing it. Um, so they got a lot of problems. And some of the some of the stuff I'm seeing um, in the news today about uh, uh, players coming out and you know criticizing the coaching staff. Only six games into the only six games into the season, and things are already falling apart on them. I, I I never could have imagined things would go. Uh, sideways this quickly I mean you got players coming out and saying that the coaches seem ill-prepared they don't teach and they and one player I believe said anonymous of course they just they just aren't very good at their jobs I couldn't I couldn't believe that when I read that this it seems like something that you you it's it would seem unfathomable that players this early would say this about a coach and a coach that has a Super Bowl on his resume but it doesn't, it doesn't sound all that different to what we were hearing from Aaron Rodgers when whatever bombshell story broke from Bleacher Report or what, whatever uh, site it You was. talking about the massages during the meetings? You talking about that bombshell? That might, that, that might have been included in it, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. But there's, this, this appears to be a disaster right now. 
Uh, they're, they're, you, there's just no getting around it. It's horrible. The only good thing about it is in first place, but even with that, that they can't feel comfortable because the minute Philly um, starts to resemble anything close to a football team, Dallas is going to be in serious trouble. Um, America's team, huh? Listen. <clears throat> First of all, let me go ahead and show some love to my killer C's, the Cardinals. Um, I think I gotta pick the Cardinals in every game when we do our weekly picks. <laughs> Outside of one, I think it was one obvious one. I'm like, yeah, you boys are out of here on that one. But listen, I got I got high hopes for the Cardinals. If you remember when we talked about these teams before the season, I said. Kyler Murray come back for his second year. Cliff Kingsbury come back for the second year. They gave him a target with um, DeAndre Hopkins. And then they went out and got Drake Kirkpatrick to give Patrick Peterson somebody on the other side that could play some D. The defense don't look half bad. Um, we seen that last night. Um, the offense, they humming. The offensive line starting to come, come to fruition, I think. And Kyler Murray, what can you say? The guy was Mr. Texas three years in a row. He's like the best – Texas football player to ever play football in Texas. Did I say Texas? Let's talk about Texas a little bit. Um, the Dallas Cowboys probably the third best team in Texas behind the Houston Texans and the Texas Longhorns. Um, and also, if they played in the Big 12, they'd probably be the third best team in the Big 12 behind the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners. Doesn't need a hill nor there. Here's the thing. Jared Jones think he could throw some money at this. I'm sorry you can't, buddy. We seeing this, this matrosity of a team. Um, you're looking pretty lackluster on the big screen, all right? And, and you keep this up. We're going to have to go ahead and um, throw up the flag on America's team because how long do you get to flop around like this and live on generation, on the baby boomers and all those generations back in the day and call yourself America's team? At some point, we got to call BS on the play, and it's about to come up to that point. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm with you with your point when you, when you say that it's not much of a difference between Prescott and Dalton. I'm, I agree with you. I've been beating that drum as well. I don't think it's much of a difference between them. But hey, it must be a difference between um, Jason Garrett and um, Mike McCarthy because hey, <laughs> here's the deal. When Jason Garrett was around here flopping like this, he was the worst thing ever. Oh my God, this guy's terrible. This coaching is horrible. And then Michael Carthel. Who, who would have guessed that Jason Garrett would look competent at this point <laughs> in the year compared to Mike McCarthy? And I mean, um, who who calling this defense? Is it still Rob? Oh, old man Rob back there? Because um, I think it's Mike. I think it's Mike Nolan. Oh, oh, okay. So we and got rid of. But I'm he probably saying. he, but you know what? He probably wishes you thought it was Rod still. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> last year it was yo get out with the old, come in with the new. We need to start fresh. Let's bring in these guys, and it looks like the same old bull boop, in a new rapping. If you ask me, <laughs> and I don't want to hear the bull crap about. Oh well, you know Dak been hurt. Dak was hurt. <laughs> this is the first game Dak missed. Um, if I, if I remember correctly, Andy Dalton came in and won the, the last game, you know, because those Giants, they fight so hard and they come with yeah. so much thunder. You know, you got to bring the 18 for those guys. You got to get up every, every game for those guys. And now uh, here you come, you out here playing the Cardinals, a team that most of America still trying to figure out, if, if you know, are they worth watching? And then you lay an egg like this on, shall I say, primetime TV? Because, I mean, it was Monday night. 
And then Jerry Jones want to come up here with some bull crap like, oh, yeah, you know, we working through some things. You working through some things, huh? No, working through some things was when you fired Jimmy Johnson back in the day after he won you a couple of Super Bowls. That was working through some things. This is just god-awful. This, this is what this is. God-awful football. Here's the deal. If they didn't have a star on the side of their helmet, we would be giving them the Cleveland Browns treatment right now. We'd be giving them the Cincinnati tr treatment. Oh, but they're America's team. Hey, slack up a little bit. So, you know, I guess when you're the American team, you get to go around here and play uh, pop one of football instead of NFL football because you can't tackle. You run around here looking like you need to learn the fundamentals. Y'all here stinking up the joint, ratings through the floor, and then, and you know, it's fine. It's America's team. They'll be back. That could be back. Oh, Zeke, he just had a, you know, a case of the yips. He just, you know what I'm saying? It was, no need to panic. Look, let me let me tell you something about Dallas last night. Do you know their most expensive players last night didn't do jack crap last night? We I'm talking about Demarcus Lawrence. He didn't do much. Mark Cooper, he showed up during garbage time. Oh, what about Zeke? Well, you know, Zeke, he formed a couple times. And uh, what he ran for that whopping 49 yards. Oh, okay. Wow. Hmm. Ain't that something? Now, that's, that's, that's something. Oh. I'm going to tell you, the, the highest-priced dude that showed up last night was Jalen Smith. That was the highest-priced dude that showed up. And listen, 30, you know, 38 points later, you might say, what's your definition of showing up? But either way, that's the, guy, that's the highest-priced guy that showed up last night. So you mean to tell me all these dudes got paid before Dak, and then Dak go out here – you know, season-ending injury, and then these other expensive guys that you need to spend money on, that's, your, that's the performance you get out of them. I'm just saying, this is why when players think they deserve to get paid, this is what you go look at. You, you look at stuff like this, and I, I don't know, but I'm tired of Dallas getting the, all these excuses. Mike McCarthy, this is his first year. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Aaron Rodgers ain't want to hear it either. Like, nobody want to hear that first year. Nah, he, he a Super Bowl winning coach. He got the championship pedigree. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. That's cool too. And I and, and listen, one thing the Cardinals show and is something that I've been saying for these other teams. Go out, get you a young coach that can speak the same language as these young players, and I guarantee you at some point you're going to grow fruit. I'm not saying it's going to be forever, and I'm not saying it's going to be overnight, but at some point, you're going to grow fruit from that tree. Cliff Kingsbury can speak the same language as Kyler Murray, and you're seeing both of them in year two, they're growing together. This is exactly what I was saying about Atlanta. Exactly what I was saying about Atlanta, what they might want to do since they're going to tear it down and rebuild it evidently. I don't want to see no more recycling old dinosaurs, you know, I don't want to see that. Don't don't go hire these old coaches that speaking the same bull crap they were speaking back in the eighties. It's the game to change. It didn't change. Like let's let's call it what it is. This is not the same NFL from the nineties. It's not. That this is fireworks, folks. You know what I'm saying? So with that said, listen. I don't know what's up with the Cowboys, but I'm tired of them being on primetime TV. I'm telling you that right now. They need to be on the big noon kickoff. That's where they need to be at. I'm sick of seeing the Cowboys on primetime TV. And as far as the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals do deserve some, some love. And like I said, keep your eye on them, man. That's the team for the future.
Again, one more, one more note on Zeke. I can't. I don't think this has ever happened so far in his career. He's yet to crack a hundred yards through six games. Yeah. Uh, so on that front, um, you know, you you asked one of the questions that what's so wrong with the Cowboys? Well, they're not very good. I don't think that's a big surprise. But one of the reasons they're not very good, and this is uh, number one, is uh, their turnover margin is the worst in the NFL. It's minus twelve. They have fifteen giveaways and just three takeaways. Now, how are they having all those giveaways? You might ask. Well, they have nine of those are fumbles. Uh, four of them have come from Zeke Elliott. He has seven in his last 13 games. And Ed Warder uh, on Twitter even took this a step further. He has more fumbles lost this year than all their top 10 rushers in the NFL combined, despite a margin difference of 900 touches. Uh, this Zeke fumbling problem is not just recently either. This goes back to even 2018. You know, nine skill players in the NFL have had over 600 touches. He leads them all with 14 fumbles. He lost seven of those. And only Chris Carson of the Seahawks is even close. Like everyone else, like, you know, Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon and some of the other big guys that have gotten a lot of touches, there are like four. So it, that's a big problem, obviously, when you, you think, okay, well, one, he's getting paid like $90 million. You probably don't want him fumbling nonstop. But it's really like what Jay was alluding to as far as the game planning purpose goes, you would think that's what they want to do. Well, hey, let's go feed Zeke because we don't have Dak anymore. But he put the ball on the ground twice in that game. It, it fundamentally ended the game for the Cowboys. I mean, they got that the huge 14-0 hole. I mean, they played well in the first quarter. I mean, it was a close – it was a tied game. And then he put the ball on the ground twice, and all of a sudden the defense started pressing. They started blitzing. They were trying to do something because the offense wasn't doing anything except puking the ball up. And then Andy Dalton's out here throwing interceptions in the second half. It, it to me, and to even Zeke himself said, I lost the game for us. It's on me. Well – you're the dude now, man. You this is this isn't gonna fly, and it's a it's a big problem for the Cowboys. If they fix that, I mean, you would think this team wouldn't be terrible. Like they could at least win the NFC East, which isn't much, but it's something. Um, but the other problem the Cowboys are having is um, the defense is not very good, and you have to remember this is a team that signed a lot of free agents, uh, a lot of guys off the scrap heap. You know, Dontari Poe, Alden Smith, uh, Clinton Dix, Everson Griffin, and. Alden Smith's one of those dudes that have really showed up in any meaningful way. He didn't pay Byron Jones, and he'd be nice to have right now when Christian Kirk's running 80 yards down the field and DeAndre Hopkins is running 60 yards down the field for touchdowns. I mean, he might be nice to have back there, so that's a problem. Um, that, those are the biggest things the Cowboys have is just a lot of those those, those kind of stopgap guys they signed didn't hit, and they cannot stop giving the ball away. And uh, real quick, let's show some love also. Part of this Arizona defense, you know, remember the draft? We all said that Isaiah Simmons was the pick because, you know, this defense was really bad. They had a lot of holes, and he was going to help fix them. He hasn't even really been all that great so far. He's kind of been a slow roll, you know, and they're not, not knocking him, but it's not like he's came in and just blown it out of the water. You know what I mean? Um, but – also, we'll note, they didn't have Chandler Jones this game. He's out for the season-ending uh, neck surgery, I believe. And, uh, you know, we all know how good he can rush the passer. He's out, and they still had this kind of performance. And uh, Buda Baker wounded on this one. Uh, Four-year, $59 million contract in the offseason. Highest-paid safety in NFL history. Uh, he had seven solo tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass defense, a forced fumble, and a pick last night. So, good for him and good for the Cardinals, who look pretty good right now. Well, another blowout this weekend. The Pittsburgh Steelers trounced division rival Cleveland 38-7. It was all Steelers through most of the game, taking a 24-7 lead at halftime and shutting the Browns out in the second. James Conner had a 100-yard day, and a talented Pittsburgh wide receiver core did work as well. And, of course, Big Ben tied it all together with an efficient performance. 
On the flip side, Baker Mayfield threw two picks, posted a 5.5 QBR, and got pulled for an injury in the second half. It's a big win for Pittsburgh, solidifying them as a contender, and as of only one of three unbeaten teams, and it's a gut punch for Cleveland looking to ascend to the next level. So, Jay, how good is this Pittsburgh team, and what do you make of the Browns after this uh, smacking? I got, a, I, got a, I got a question first. What was the injury? Uh, he did have a rib thing they pulled him out for. It was partially because he was playing like trash and partially because he was slightly banged up a little bit. What? They slid an injury in there? Oh, That's what they're saying. I, that, I'm just the I, messenger okay. here. I'm okay. just – I just I – didn't, I didn't know that. I, I saw well, that, that came – it was one of those – it kind of came out after the game. So, you know. Okay. We'll I didn't know All that right. either. I thought, well, I, I mean, that may be, I'm not saying he didn't have a rib injury. I think a lot of guys might have injuries as well, but I think he just got benched. That is, I'm going to just say that. Um, let's start with, let, let me start with Pittsburgh. Um, I think Pittsburgh is really good. I, I, you mentioned ain't but three undefeated teams left. I don't think, I think if you have um, taken bets to, if you had three undefeated teams, you probably wouldn't have Pittsburgh on there. You probably have Baltimore and Kansas City. Um, and maybe maybe Seattle, maybe New Orleans. Uh, but Pittsburgh, the only question I really had about Pittsburgh was Big Ben. How what we just I don't think we kind of knew what to expect coming off the injury at that age, how he would look. He looks pretty good. Um, and the skill position guys he has, they got they got some real weapon some real weaponry. Um, James Connor, James Connor, that was a big that was a big time performance he had on Sunday, 20, 2400. Um, and uh, I maintain, I think guys like Benny Snell, he, he can be effective for you uh, coming in there. Jalen Samuel is a good uh, pass receiving back. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, not a, not a big game, not a real big game for him on Sunday. Um, but James Washington, I think he's pretty good, four for 68. Uh, and the rookie from Notre Dame, Chase Claypool, he's, he's already getting a lot of buzz, particularly off his performance the week before when he had four touchdowns. Had, a, had another rushing touchdown this game. He looks, he's got some, he looks like he's got some star written on him. Um, so we'll see how he continues to progress. No Deontay Johnson in this game. He's another weapon for him. They didn't have David DeCastro. We mentioned that on Friday. Uh, apparently no problem because they did, uh, generally speaking, they did pretty much whatever they wanted to do. But defensively, I think, is what we uh, kind of where we thought they would make their money. We all know, I think Mike Tomlin, for much of uh, this decade, he's kind of been maligned on the defense, most, and most of the time the back end of it. From top to from, – from defensive line all the way back to the safeties, they really – it doesn't appear like they have a weakness right now. Um, this may be one of the best defenses they've had um, in this century. And you go up you, – when, when you look at what they can do on passing downs, when you can have Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt coming off the, the edges and then have Stephon Tewitt and Cameron Hayward pushing the pocket, doesn't get much better than that. And when you have those four guys and you can just, uh, you know, drop, play coverage behind that because those dudes are so elite Russian passers, makes it, it – it's a great luxury for a defensive coordinator to have that. And then Minka Fitzpatrick continues – to be a huge story and a huge plus ever since they acquired him from uh, from Miami. His pick Bill six, Bobby. yeah, his his pick six really got the ball rolling in this game. And I mean, I, what I thought was going to be the or Cleveland's best chance to me coming in this game, what they had to do, they had to be strong up front offensively, and they had to run the ball, and they didn't run the ball. So when you if you're not going to run the ball, I don't think Baker Mayfield's the guy 
that can just drop back a million, to, you know, 40, 40 plus times and win. You know, and, and generally speaking, the best I've seen Baker Mayfield play, it seems like any decent play he makes, as far as I can tell, generally speaking, is off a of play action bootleg. He, he goes play action bootleg and he's, he's looking real sweet, completing them little, you know, them little sweet flat passes on the run where the guy's wide open. There's no one near him. And next thing, oh, 20 yard gain. He did good that time. It, it's, it's not good right now. The, the, the dude got benched to me. And like, it's going to, I don't know. I, I think we, I think we all thought this would be a make or break year from Baker Mayfield. Cleveland's Cleveland's pretty good around him. They, they went, they were on a four game winning streak coming this game. This is the second time – this is their second loss, both against teams within the division that they're going to have to get by at some point if they want to do anything, um, and they're not there yet. And I think, I think the quarterback position is what's holding them um, back right now. And also, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb not in this game. That, 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 that's a big deal, even though I'm not sure if he would have been enough to make up for the difference. Um. Let me start off by, uh, you know, issuing an apology to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I should have put a little more respect on your name. I, I thought Cleveland was going to, you know, take that step forward. Instead, they broke their leg and they never went anywhere. Um, this, this Steelers team is for real. They for real. Like, there's no, it's no other way I could put it. Because if I try to point at the defense – it's the best defense in the NFL, and I don't even think it's close. Um, by far the best defense. And then I, I look at the offense, like Jay said, Big Ben is the only one you're thinking, oh, he's getting old, he out here drinking six-packs before the game. You know, you're thinking, do he really care? And then you see he's, he's getting the job done, more than serviceable um, as the quarterback calling these plays. Look. The, the the Pittsburgh still is gonna be one one hell of a out. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I'm looking at a lot of teams in the AFC. Even I'm just looking in the division. The Ravens. Ravens are gonna have a hard time playing their style of offense against this defense. Like that that Lamar Jackson, he struggled. You know, if he don't have a lead, he struggled. And I think this this team gonna be ready to put it on him. Um, and then I look at the other. You know, I think this defense can give. Patrick Mahomes fits, um, and, and they all-star crew. This is an elite-level defense. But let me talk about these I'm-a-let-you-down Browns. Um, <laughs> Safansky, I'm not even going to get on to you. I think you did a fantastic job. I think you came in and did about as much as we asked you to do. Mayfield, don't worry about it. If they haven't declined that fifth-year option, it's going to get declined. <laughs> um, and... Listen, I don't know where the Browns go. They, I guess the quarterback carousel continue. They thought this was their guy to take them into the future. Absolutely not. Um, Mayfield, I had so much promise for you. But he, two, Beckham, two receptions for 17 yards? What are we doing here? Landry, three, three receptions for 40 yards? I, I want to know what the excuse is for Mayfield. I mean, it ain't inexperienced coaching. It's not, oh, the game plan. All the bull crap that the Dallas Cowboys saying about their coaching, I, I don't think that's going to fly for the Cleveland Brown coaching staff. Baker Mayfield just not good. It's time to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. He's just not good. People want to give me, well, you know, 
it's too many stars and you got to do this and the defense is not good. The, the offense is not good either. <laughs> There's too like, much talent. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like I done heard like, oh, he's so many guys. He can't share the ball. You got to throw it there. You got to throw it to this guy, this guy. He want his touches. All this bull crap. Look, Baker Mayfield is just not good. Um, And you got Sam Darnold out here losing his life down there with the Jets. And you could have had him. Instead, you got Baker Mayfield, and the only thing he's good is for those fantastic five-star progressive commercials. And listen, this this ain't gonna cut it. With that said, this hey, this Pittsburgh team is outstanding. What do you make after the what the Browns did nothing? I don't make nothing. I would say this though, the Browns would I don't I know they will have to play the Steelers again, but if you actually look at their schedule, it's not like they run into some juggernauts on the defensive side of the ball like the Steelers again. So they'll win some games. But like Jay always say, and this is always true, these are the teams you're going to play in the postseason. So if you want to get to the postseason, you got to actually beat these teams to get into the postseason. Then you got to be ready to play them once you get in the postseason. And right now, this team ain't beating nobody. They ain't beating nobody of any significance. Like, I don't – you can go ahead and put this team in rice because somebody just dropped them in water. Go soak them up. Um, the Browns, they're done. Holla at your boy, um, and I'm out. Yeah, this is uh, obviously, you know, we, we talked about this game on Friday, and, and the, the big storyline was, okay, you know, this both both the teams have beat up some questionable teams. Which one's really that good and which one's really isn't? And to probably no one's surprise, you know, it turned out the Browns were a disappointment. Wow. Um, it, it, what really it's interesting is that the, the, the Browns offenses look great against average or below average defenses. I mean, they torch some, you know, they torch the, you know, they put 35 on the Bengals, 34 on the Redskins, 49 on the Cowboys, 32 on the Colts. The Colts probably the only one of those that have any kind of decent defense. Um, but my God, 76 to 13 against the AFC North against, um, the Steelers and the Ravens combined, that's uh, that's pretty troubling. Like y'all said, you got to beat these teams in your division. And, you know, when you look at it, you would say, okay, well, it, it must just be Mayfield. But what you what do the Steelers and the Ravens have in common? They blitz a lot, and their defenses are really good. They have really good pass rushers, right? So the, the Browns just crumble when they're playing against these really good pass rush teams. And part of that is your quarterback. You know, Mayfield was terrible uh, on third downs. He was 2-7 of seven for five yards with a sack and two picks. Uh, against the blitz, he, was, he only completed two of six passes for 11 yards with a pick and three more sacks. And what's interesting is the Cleveland offensive line – actually came into this game ranked second in pass block um, win rate, you know, for their, you know, for the, the ratings. So the offensive line isn't trash, but they do seem to fall apart against pretty good teams. And I guess the Browns are going to turn into one of these teams that just beat up the bad ones. Like they're going to be good enough to do that. Cause like you said, drink, you look at their schedule going on the road. I mean, they're four and two. It's not like they're one and nine or something, you know, they get the Bengals, the Raiders, Texans, Eagles, Jaguars. Well, my God, that should be four out of five wins with with the blindfold on, or well, maybe you know we'll see if the Eagles turn it around. But but you know you know what I mean, like you said, they're going to get it turned around. You know, while the Steelers they get the Titans and the Ravens both on the road the next two weeks. So good luck with that. You know, Devin Bush being out, but man, this the Steelers are really good. We we I, I like you said like you said Jay said I think we knew they were going to be pretty good. We knew that defense was set and they were bringing pretty much everybody back. But to see Big Ben come back in the year that he's in and just turn in the performances, and even you know Sunday, you could say, well, he wasn't amazing, but he didn't have to be. You know, he he did what he had to do to win the game, and 
obviously that wasn't much because the Browns side, they score seven points, but bottom line with the Steelers is I think that you're seeing a team that's come all together. You have the coaching, you have the defense, you have weapons on offense. And at this point, you would think that this team could make a serious run at not only the NFC North, but deep into the playoffs while the Browns, man, I mean, really it's just going to come down to execution. I mean, at some point you've got to show up against a good team and beat them. And honestly with Baker Mayfield, I'm trying to think of the last time Baker Mayfield tore up a good team, like a good defense. And I just, I can't think of it, you know? And if that's the, the line is if you can't do that, then what, at what point do you cut the tie? I mean, I would, you know, first overall pick and all that, but that, that decision for them, it might be coming sooner than later. Cause if you look at the rest of this NFC North, you know, the Ravens, the Steelers are good. And we know the Bengals are going to get it going eventually with Joe Burrow. That's going to leave Cleveland in a bad spot here. Soon. I don't, yeah, and I don't remember I don't, to add to that point. When, when's the last time we looked at Baker Mayfield and said, "Oh yeah, he is definitely the reason Cleveland won that game." Yeah. I mean, they like like, and this goes back to what I said. Cleveland, especially offensively, right now, defensively, they still they still got to figure out how to harness some of that talent. I think, but offensively, and you said it, even the offensive line. I mean, we want to point at them sometimes. They brought in Conklin. They got Batonio. They drafted Jedrick Wills. So they they making stride. They at least putting in the effort. You would think that, and the the metrics would say they've improved. It didn't look like they were on Sunday, but all these weapons. I mean, you get you you pay Hooper an absurd amount of money. You got Landry. You got Beckham. You got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. How much more do you need? It's almost the same thing with Dak. The the only team I can think of that's even close is like the Buccaneers, as far as just dudes everywhere, talent wise. But I mean, again, if you put if I put, you know, Patrick Mahomes on this team, my God, they'd be they'd be utterly unstoppable. So it's just, yeah, at some point, the Bucks got to stop with Mayfield, and it just doesn't appear that that's going to end well. All right, we'll stay in the NFL with a big story out of Miami. The Dolphins are 3-3 three and three after their bye week against the New York Jets on Sunday. Ryan Fitzpatrick was great again and has rallied them to three straight wins after an 0-3 start. However, it was announced today that fifth overall pick Tua Tagovailoa will become the starter this week as they work through their actual bye week and look ahead to the Rams in two weeks. The team says Tua is fully healthy and it was always intended for him to take over once he was ready. Tua will join stiff rookie competition, though, as both Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert have played well in their action this season. So, Drink, what do you think of your boy from Alabama getting the starting job? Well, you know what I'm saying. I hope everybody ready to see these pineapples get spent. But here's the deal. Um, I've been waiting on this moment. Like, you know, I got a lot of respect for Tua. You know, Tua was one of those generational guys that came to Alabama. And I know a lot of people say it's Alabama. They always get generational guys. But not at quarterback. Quarterback was the one position – Two, two positions that I want to see a generational guy at this point for Nick. Quarterback and kicker. If I can get a generational kicker, I'll love that too. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, Tua came down and, and, look, Nick was already considered the GOAT before Tua stepped in. And he came down and he got Nick Saban to embrace this wide open spread, pass the ball all over the offense. Um, I mean, with the help of Lane Kiffin and everything. But, you know, it, it – it took a quarterback to really get Nick Saban to embrace this. Like, he wasn't going to embrace it until he got the right quarterback, and that was Tua. Tua came and changed the outset, and now you see where Alabama is today offensively because of the impact that he made. And um, recently, Nick Saban said that um, Tua was the best leader that he didn't have at Alabama.
Alabama for everything, you know, the whole total package of, of these players. Um, with that said, you said in the lead-in, here's the problem. Two of your counterparts then came in here and they, and they laid it down. They didn't laid the law down, Joe Burrows and Justin Herbert. That means, Tua, you can't come in here with the bull crap. I know you got the talent, but the problem is the injury. And this is what everybody's waiting on. Can you make it through the rest of this season without getting hurt? We know those ankles are softening their baby poop. But listen, we need you to make it through. Minnesota has, they have, I mean, not Minnesota, I'm sorry. Miami has talent. So it's not going to be a talent thing. For me, it's going to be a mental break for him. Mentally, can he will himself to be the quarterback that we know he will be, the game changer, the generational? Now, you ask me, do I think he will be? Absolutely. I think he, I think he will come in there and he do his thing. I am scared a little bit because of his injury history. But I got nothing but confidence in him. He has shown me nothing but a winning spirit a competitive spirit. And I'm going to be quite honest. I have to say to myself, what did Brian Flores see that made him all of a sudden say, well, he came in at the end of the game in garbage time. I think I'm ready to start him, folks. He looked good enough for me. Brian Fitzpatrick, for all intents and purposes, was playing good football for Miami. I mean, I thought this probably a pretty good start for him. Um, I didn't think we would see Ryan Fitzpatrick get benched until he just played like some garbage game. But evidently, Brian Flores felt like it's tour time, and it's tour time. And um, I, I think with, with the weapons that they got, he'll be able to do his thing. So with that said, I ain't got much to say until I actually see him play a full game against some ones. I come back and revisit this, but as of now, he has not shown me any reason to go against him starting. Let's do it, baby. You know what it is. King Tour in the building. Yeah, um, I think I've been pretty consistent on Tua um, for a long time now. I, I, the only reason that he wasn't the number one overall pick for me is, is the injuries. Even with Joe Burrows just, you know, once in a lifetime or once in a, once in a century season, you know, you throw 60 touchdowns and, you know, you just – unstoppable in every which way even with that I felt like if Tua hadn't have been hurt he would have been the number one overall pick I think he was that good that's the only reason his durability um, as far as as far as the timing of it um, maybe I think it might be a little bit sooner than what we expected I, I've been I've said I don't I wouldn't have been mad at all if they if uh, Miami had a held him out the entire season um, but one thing I will say uh, Brian Flores, I think we learned a lot about Brian Flores last year. Um, you know, he took a team that, you know, on paper we looked at and we was like, well, you know, they're going to win a game at all. And he took a, he won, he won five, including go back, go back, go back to it. Uh, week, the last week of the season, in some way, shape or form, that was the beginning of the end of the Patriots. Um, when he, they won that week 17 game and stole a, took a first round bye away from him. Uh, and Miami, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're three and three right now. So they're, they're on a good pace. I thought much like Arizona in the NFC, I thought Miami could, could possibly sneak up on some teams this year. Um, the pro the, and the reason why I have no problem with it and why I trust Brian Flores. And even though Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick has been pretty, he's been fine, but we know who, we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. 
he's a journeyman guy. He's gonna have some. He's gonna have some hot streaks, and then he's gonna have stretches where he doesn't look like he know anything. And oh, really? Oh, how did we even get a dude from Harvard playing in the NFL? How did that even happen? Um, so to me, it's all about if Tua's ready and he's healthy, then just put him in here, and we'll see how it goes. Um, as far as as far as comparing him to Burrow and uh, Herbert, I think individually there's been a lot to like about both of them. But don't forget this. They really haven't won much of anything yet. Burrow's one four and one, and the Chargers are one and four. So, and I think if you look at if you look at each team, I think Tua, I think Tua's got the better coach, and I think the Chargers may be a little bit more talented overall. But uh, I don't think they're the Chargers are that significantly better than Miami. So I think the only question is, I think, and I think we'll find out very quickly, is the first time he gets hit when he starts taking some hits in the pocket. Um, I think uh, if you get, if you're if you're a, if you're an Alabama fan or you're a Miami fan, I think you're going to have some nervous moments, kind of some hold your breath type moments to see how rea- he, he reacts. Um, but but if, if if Miami can protect him, and I think they've done a good job kind of building up that line. But if he can be protected and he can he can get into some rhythm, they can get him in some rhythm, throw it on time. When he throws in rhythm, he's going to be as good as anybody, as I think. So I'm excited for him. I think he's going to do well. And I think when it's all said and done, the health is the only question we'll have. Barring health, he'll turn out to be the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah, so this this move was a little surprising. Obviously, like you'll say, you know, Pat, Ryan Fitzpatrick's played well. He's seventh in the league in QBR, and it really, it, it, it but it the the messaging has been it, this isn't about how well he's played. Tua is the guy. I mean, we, we like we you know, Jr. kind of took us back a little bit on the memory lane as far as Miami's timeline. But you know, again, remember they were supposed to be really bad last year. Brian Flores kind of won that locker room over in year one, and then they went into this off season. They spent some money. They got a couple big free agents, and then remember in the NFL draft, they really made a point to go out and get Tua at fifth overall. And then they backed it up with a, with a tackle at uh, pick 18. And then they came back in the top of the second round and picked another guard, Robert Hunt. So they this was the plan all along is to structure the offense around Tua and kind of build around the future. And it really is about the future because they think they want to get him in with the ones and they want to grow this together. I mean, could you make the argument that he gives them a better chance to go to the playoffs than Fitzpatrick? I don't think you could – probably sell that argument too much right now i think at the best you would say it's a wash if you're talking purely just how many more games are we going to win or lose like on a spreadsheet but the point more is this has to we have to organically get this going together and they're at a bye week right now you know they're they're riding high they're feeling good they're going to be practicing hard everyone's locked in um by the way i do want to miss issue a slight correction i said they started 0 three they actually started 0 two they beat the jaguars week three then they lost week four to the seahawks in a close game and they won their last two in big fashion so minor correction there but if you look at that schedule guys i mean 21 to 11 to the uh, patriots week one not great but then the bills they lost some bills by a field goal I mean, it's a close game you know they got a big win against jacksonville to kind of get the, the ship righted and then they took the seahawks i mean they probably give the seahawks maybe their closest game i don't i think the seahawks are another close one but you know they played the tails off the seahawks in a lot of games or game people a lot of people just thought they would get rolled and then they've won the lot you know big wins of the last two so don't uh don't count this miami team out as a whole they're pretty good. I think there's a lot of evidence to say they might be not an amazing team, but they're going to be a competitive team. And it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and throw him in. He got two weeks on a bye week to get ready. You know, you're going to have the Rams coming up at home, you know, so he doesn't have to get off the travel. 
it makes more sense when you think about it than the initial news may have led you to believe. But uh, I think overall, yeah, the Dolphins just want to get this going right, and they want to go ahead and get him started. And I think a couple games to get it, you know, let him sit back and watch. You put him in. I think it's the right way to do it. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap it up tonight with a look at a weekend of college football. Our last week before the Big Ten joins the party featured the biggest matchup of the year so far. Number two, Alabama put away. Number three, Georgia in Tuscaloosa, 41-24. Alabama defense struggled some out of the gate as Georgia kept pace in the first half. But Bama's onslaught of Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle was too much uh, once the Alabama defense joined the party. Besides that matchup, there were some other big games and a few upsets, but we'll go ahead and start with Georgia and Bama drink. Anything surprise you from this game? And are you confident that Alabama can go all the way? And also give us what else stood out to you over the weekend. All right, first of all, I got to talk to you about this lead-in. It's a little disrespectful, all right? Those three guys are weapons, but stop being disrespectful to my quarterback, Big Mac Jones, extra sauce, all right? Big Mac, Big Mac Jones. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, All right. that's good. He out here like, spinning and yeah. willing and dealing. He moved up to second in the Heisman odds. All right. He, All right. hey, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He out here doing yeah. his thing. While, while Trevor Lawrence out here beating up on Pop Warner kids, Matt Jones <laughs> actually throwing the football against some defense. So, you know what I'm saying? Put some respect on the extra sauce. With that said, um, here's the deal. I said this last week. Uh, in this game, it was one matchup that, that reigned over all and – that was the Alabama offense versus the Georgia defense. We got to see that pop off in the very first play of the game. Very first play of the game. You know, uh, Matt Jones take his three-step drop. He get ready to load it up, dial it up down the field, and Georgia got there with the blitz, and you seen what happened. He hit them, and they go to interception. And I thought to myself, as I'm looking at that, here we go. Here we go with some bull. Boop, God, mother, boop. I don't want to hear nothing about this NFL level boop, offensive line. Hey, right, let's get it together, mother. Boop, 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 you know, um, but deep, surprisingly, Alabama defense showed up on their first drive and they got the ball right back. It's weird. It's weird. If you actually remember this, just, just think about this. I want to say this happened in the last. Uh, couple of games with Georgia where they would get a turnover and then somehow they turn it back over. If you you think about um I forgot which one of the games it might have been the national championship when two throw he throws an interception because he just throws the ball to I don't know who he was throwing the ball to. And I think it was Calvin Ridley and Calvin Ridley was turned around and he wasn't paying attention or whatever. And and the defender comes and get it. And then on the very next drive Jake Fromm ended up throwing an interception back to Alabama, and Alabama got the ball back. So to see that happen in this game is kind of like, dang, that's, that's kind of um, unique and uh, quirky at the same time. With that said, um, listen, I thought this Georgia uh, defense was as good as advertised. You got to understand this. I know people are going to say, oh, my God, Alabama put up 41 points on them. But you got to look in the whole context of this 41 points. Um, that came off the strength of – Alabama make adjustments at halftime against um, Stetson Bennett. Did I say Stetson Bennett? Let's talk about Stetson Bennett for a minute. Um, here's the deal. For, for, for all of you uh, young Thundercats out there that, you know, have dreams to be a walk-on quarterback and your nickname is the mailman because you showed up looking like a mailman, um, you know, I, I don't want to crush no dreams here. 
And and I understand people was hyping up Bennett here, and they like, oh my God, you seen this guy? He was spinning against Tennessee. Well, that was Tennessee. Oh my God, that was oh he did this against Arkansas. Are you kidding me? You comparing Alabama to Arkansas? Keep being disrespectful. But this guy, he showed you what it was. He has limitations. Um, he has a ceiling, and it ain't that high. Um, and he he tried. But you notice this game, Alabama just did the fundamentals. Defensive line, they sucked in, and they just lift their arms up. And he had a lot of batted balls. They tell you right now, somebody get this guy a step stool because he can't step up in the pocket. And we've seen that. Now, he made some good plays. But even a broken clock is good twice a day. And um, I say that to say this. Yeah, this guy can make some plays, but he ain't winning you nothing significant. That guy ain't you, – you might struggle to beat Florida with this guy. I'm just telling you right now. And mark my words, if this guy don't get better, you you, you might lose to Kentucky too. Um, Kentucky is bringing smoke defense out of the ball. Their offense is not all that, that good, but the defense playing some ball. Um, so with that said, this guy ain't going to get it done. They might want to go ahead and um, dial up JT Daniels. Not – and. You know, I'm hearing people say, well, DJ Mathis, he might come in. In what league? It's sure not the SEC. I don't know what he ain't coming in. What league is he coming in? So I don't know, but that, I don't want to see that guy again. So if JT Daniels is healthy, maybe he could come in. But back, back to the future of Alabama. Here's the deal. Um, four games in, we're only playing 10 games this season. Alabama's not going to play another defense as good as uh, Georgia. That's bar none. Uh, I looked at the schedule. I, I penciled it in. They're not going to play another defense. They might play some other offenses that's better than Georgia, but they won't play another team that's better than defensively better than Georgia. Georgia showed why they was considered the best defense in the nation. The crazy thing about all of this, as hyped as I am about the, the fact we won this big showdown, the problem is – Alabama can play Georgia again this year in the, in the SEC championship. So it's not over and done with. This Georgia can might as well run the table for the rest of the year. Alabama run the table, and then they meet again in, the, in, the, in Atlanta, and then we'll see what goes there. But as far as a high-quality win go this year, I think this is a reverse from last year where Alabama was playing a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of mouse pads and sticky notes. And then they ran into LSU, and we seen what happened. Well, that ain't happening this year. They, this all SEC schedule is gonna force people to put some respect on whoever comes out of the SEC because we ain't playing no cupcakes around here this year, baby. And I think Alabama by far has the best win of any top team. And yeah, Clemson. Clemson seems to be the most complete team. Did I say Clemson? Seventy-three to seven, Georgia Tech. Scholarship check. I mean, let's be real here. Scholarship check. But hold up. Um, so with that said, I was proud. I was happy. But it's still work to be done. And I'm hoping, listen, Alabama, let's not, you know, get caught up in the trap game here and be so high off this Georgia game that we forget we got Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee ain't been looking good. Yeah, they got that quarterback out of the recycle bin. I know all that. But listen. Let's make sure we put some respect on Tennessee. Um, they still, you know, they still playing pretty good defense. Offense might not be so good, but their defense is still um, respectable. So let's put some respect on it. 
Um, and, you know, I leave it there for the offense. I mean, I leave it there for that game. Uh, other games that stood out to me, you know, I just mentioned it. But before you do it, let me do it. Florida State out here, you know, hey, yeah. you know, for anybody that wanted to tell me that North Carolina was a contender, look, they got them a piece of that primetime action, and you seen what happened. Um, I seen Tomahawks. I seen it all going down, you know. Florida State, they ain't been this happy in quite some time. And um, it was it was beautiful to see. I, I, I mean, I almost shared a tear for my boy Cody because I know he finally got, you know, a quality win, so we, we can't beat up on him every week. Um, so, you know, kudos to Florida State. But let me let me go ahead and uh, roll over here to one Auburn. Go out down here and lose to South Carolina? Yeah? Bo Nix? Oh, okay. I thought I thought I seen his name in the Heisman race before the season start, but I guess that's why they called him preseason odds, right? Um, Gus Malzahn, uh is word on the street is um, that seat might be getting a little hot, and from what I'm told, you don't even got seat warmer. So with that said, it's looking a little a little shaky down there in Auburn, Alabama. You know, Bo Nix. I've always considered him as one of the most overrated players in the uh, college football landscape right now, and he's starting to show that. Um, he's not looking good at all. He's looking, if you ask me, downright awful. So, Gus Malzahn, you're going to have to pull one of them, turn your running back into the quarterback type deals if you want to say your job because um, it's looking pretty uh, shaky overall. So, yeah, with that, you know, kudos to my boy. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me bring that back. Y'all seen the gold out there. I forgot to bring up the GOAT. You seen him out there, beat COVID. You know, that's 1-0 right there. Took COVID on out of here. And he made a masterful, masterful defensive change in the second half. I didn't even know who them boys was. I thought, I was like, oh, they got on the wrong jersey. I, I couldn't believe that defense I was seeing out there. But we'll see if that can hold. Clemson, 73-7. Georgia Tech, it's time. You might get moved to the group of five after this one. You didn't even try to show up. This UCF would have played better than that. I, I I don't know what that is. Yo, really, Clemson out here with the straight layups. All right, this is this is Shaq in his prime. We just going to do a whole bunch of dunking, whole bunch of just ain't nobody even guarding me. That was ridiculous. So, hey, overall, that was a good weekend of action. I can't wait for next weekend. I just, you know, I, I wasn't, I was going to stay away from any Florida State jabs. I gotta get you set me up because Georgia. If Georgia Tech's moving to the group of five and is on scholarship check, Cody, I was there thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh no, we lost. <laughs> yeah, that's right. At home. Your group of five scholarship check has uh, a win against Florida State this year. They do. <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to do it, but I had they to do it. He absolutely said, do. Yep. It was a perfect setup. You know, he put it right on the tee for me. My bad, my bad, my bad, Coda. I didn't mean we to didn't get it. the I'm email sorry, that uh, Paul Johnson yeah. left. We didn't know. We we were our game plan was wrong, man. We yeah, that's that's all. Y'all uh, showed up the triple option. Yeah, but we were all ready for it, man. We were. We were <laughs> let's yeah. go, but let's go, let's go to the main event and really, um, I don't want to say the only event, but the the main event in town. Everything else, absolutely secondary. Uh, Alabama and Georgia, um. I think you. I think Drink said it pretty quickly, um, right up front. Uh, Mac Jones. You know, I think ever since we saw Mac Jones play last year, you we saw him a little bit with uh, when Chua was out. Mac Jones looks. Mac Jones looks good. 
I don't, I don't know how good and as far as, you know, the his NFL prospects, but, I mean, every, every time I've seen him play, I come away pretty impressed. Um, even against Auburn last year when they ended up losing, um, you know, he had a couple, couple of really bad interceptions, but for the most part, you know, he was doing, he was doing his thing out there. And against, you know, Auburn's uh, traditionally, they played pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so to see his, his success and the way he's been playing so far, I think it's been outstanding. You know, the numbers are off the charts with what I'm looking at. Um, and, and what a luxury to go from uh, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and just, oh, here you go. Not a, not a, not a downgrade in sight. Just Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's electric. And I always thought last year, I, I looked at Judy first, but I always came, for some reason, I came away more impressed uh, with Devontae Smith than Henry Ruggs. And that's not a knock on Henry Ruggs. That just speaks to the talent of these guys as a whole. And then you throw John Mechie in there, who got it started. Yeah. John the Don Mechie. Yep. So they got mm -hmm. a trio of dudes who can absolutely get it done. They're going to be tough to deal with. And then, of course, I mean, what are you going to do with this dude, Najee Harris? I mean, this dude just gets it done. Five touchdowns last week and a great performance against Georgia this week. Um, and then and then in the big picture, as you look, you know, you think about Bama in terms of um, their national title hopes. I think that second half got to be really encouraging because with explosive and as, and as dominant as they can be offensively, if they defend with any degree of consistency, I mean, you, I think at this point you'd, you'd have to look at them as maybe the favorites. That's how I see it right now. Um, and, of course, and by the way, I, I, speaking of those defensive adjustments, are you saying it was Nick Saban that made those adjustments and not one Pete Golden? Look, Pete Silver, all right, <laughs> did not make those adjustments. I repeat, Pete Silver did not make those adjustments. Okay, I just want I just want to get that straight because you gave it to Nick. I just want to confirm that with you. Uh, as far listen, as far as the um, as far as the other action that we, we saw, um, yeah, I don't. I, th I think that Clemson win or that Georgia Tech loss. I think that was the the most lopsided loss in ACC history. It which was. I get that's that. I feel like that's saying something because Clemson been whooping up on fools for a while now. So, not not one you want. I, I've been. I thought Georgia Tech was on the come up. Uh, I don't. I don't know what that was though. Yeah, and, um, coming up all right. I and then, yeah, it's Auburn. I don't know. The one thing I'm going to say about Auburn is it seems to me there it's, it's Alabama and everybody else in that SEC West. So I think we've seen enough of Gus Malzahn to, I think we should maybe, maybe don't be so quick as to count him out. Cause it seems like traditionally like quarterback, he really, I don't know if he's really ever had, that elite level dude that you look at and say, oh, that Auburn, you can't stop him. Um, so, and it seems like, it seems like every other year he's on the hot seat. So I would, I would just be hesitant to how, you know, how quickly we go on that. Nope. I, I'm a, I, okay. Nope. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him, get out of here. I'm going to give him, okay. I'm okay. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I think he's going to get it turned around somewhat. It's going to be one of them things. Well, even last year when Bo Nix didn't look so hot, I mean, he, he looked like, absolute garbage against Oregon for three quarters. Then all of a sudden he figured out he make th two or three throws like, oh, they did it. You looking at the stat sheet, you look, how? How did they do it? These numbers are awful. You can't even figure it out. And in Tennessee, I, I'm about to, yeah, I, get, I guess I, I tried to, you know, I was talking Tennessee a couple weeks ago and I'm, I'm already over it. I mean, K Kentucky, really? 34 to seven? What a tragedy. Gu Gu Guantanamo, Guartino, whatever his name is. I think I think we I think they need to be about done with him. We need try, J 
Jeremy Pruitt, hit the recruiting trail. Let's try again. Um, that's about that's about it. And um, uh, I reclaim my time for I'm gonna I'm gonna cede all my time over to Cody, the good host. You are more than welcome to take all the time you want for the Florida State Seminoles. Oh, um, I would not dare bore our listeners to death with tales of a less good Florida State team that still is. But I did want to start with the George Alabama game. Now, admittedly, I was a little distracted by the the complete just unbelievable event I was watching on the other TV uh, as I thought maybe I had just slipped through the twilight zone or someone had drugged my drink before kickoff. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, the one thing I do thinking about the, the George Alabama game a little bit, you know, th- those games are always fun because these teams recruit so well, you get to see what is likely several NFL players on both sides of the offensive and defensive lines go at it. And I thought that Georgia won or not won the battle, but they were competitive in that battle. But, does it seem like Georgia's skill position guys just aren't up to, to par? Like, it, like that's not something they've typically – like, they don't recruit these Jalen Waddles and Henry Ruggs type dudes. It doesn't seem like as much. But that's really, like, becoming an issue. I mean, I know they've had a couple guys, like, here and there. And I know the running backs. So I guess the running backs would be, obviously, the exception. And, you know, they got uh, Dalvin Cook's brother doing some stuff. But it looks like the receiving the receivers just really aren't that great. So Seth's and Bennett, I'm not really sure what more he could have really – if he could have played better. But, like, expecting him to compete with the level of weapons that Alabama has, I mean, Georgia's going to have to win games 24-20. to 20. I mean, they can't, they can't go score 40-50 a game. It's just not going to happen. And I think that the difference really was Alabama's skill position really just shown through in that game. But uh, real quick, I got a question for both y'all. Uh, Kirby Smart, right? Real quick, uh, just just for the record, you know, he gets a lot of Mark Rick comparisons after this past season uh, through four seasons fully. Uh, Mark Rick was 42 and 10 uh, with one SEC title. Kirby Smart is 43 and 12 with one SEC title. Kirby gets extra games in the playoff, blah, blah, blah. Do we think that Georgia is already thinking? Here's a caveat. I hear this a lot. I already know where you're going with this, right? It's it's, it's coming up. It's coming up. Big topic. But – he got them to a national championship. And that you can ride that wave for about five, six good years because it's so hard to get to the national championship, especially in this, in this playoff era, that as long as, as long as he keep recruiting at the level that he's doing and keep Georgia in the, in the uh, SEC championship and if he makes another playoff or two, it will keep him there. Now, because you have to ask yourself, how long will Nick Saban hang around? How long, how long will Nick Saban be in the SEC? If Nick Saban retired tomorrow, who would be the favorite? You see what I'm saying? So the, the, the problem with Mark Rick was he, was he was running into Nick Saban during his prime. And it was like, yo, this dude ain't going nowhere no time soon. You ain't taking us nowhere anytime soon. And on top of that, he never got Georgia to a national championship. He never beat Alabama at a marquee state. Yes, I got, I got it, Curry Smart neither, but Curry Smart played in the national championship. You got to put some respect on that. And we know, you know, Nick is, he creeping up, he, he's he creeping up, you know, in age. He's only going to be there for so long. So I think he got a little rope to play with as long as he keep recruiting at the high level that he's recruiting at. I think, I think the biggest thing to always remember about really any coach in the SEC that isn't Nick Saban and I know there's a whole lot of expectations that come with that. Nick Saban, for the most part, and you can throw kind of last year as kind of an anomaly, but Nick Saban's got that – the conference run – everything goes through Nick Saban. He's kind of got a monopoly on it. 
So it's you're, it's always going to be hard, and you're it's always going to be it's almost like Bill Belichick in the in the uh, in the NFC East. You're you're fighting uphill from the beginning. I do think, given the expectations at Georgia and what they expect, having the national championship appearance already, I mean, that, I think that helps. But at some point, I mean, you you get the, you do get the feeling that given all the hype, Georgia, I think Georgia coming into pretty much every season, they got after Alabama, they're the most hyped SEC team in my mind. And you would you would think at some point you'd like to beat Bama once. And I don't know, this what is this, the third or fourth time maybe that they've met since Kirby Smart left Bama. And you'd like, you'd like to be able to beat him one time. And speaking of Nick Saban, yeah, I don't know how long he's going to be there. But what if he's got, you know, five to ten more years? I'm just throwing out a number. If he's got five, I don't know. I don't know how long he's got left. I'm just throwing that number out there. He's got, if he's got five plus more years, we really, Kirby, you got to beat him one time. I think that I think Georgia is going to consider continuing to come up short over and over against Nick Saban. No, no matter how long he's there, unacceptable. But to, to that question, so if Georgia is beating everybody else in the conference and they only lose to Alabama, you have to ask yourself, okay, cool. This is kind of like the Jim Harbaugh argument with the Big Ten, all right? Like he hasn't beat. He struggled with Michigan State and Penn State, let's alone Ohio State. If it was one of those things, I would agree. But Georgia really take care of business with everybody else in the conference. Alabama's the only team they're not beating. So do you really want to fire a coach over one team? I got it, Mark Rick, but like I said, he made it to the national championship. And Mark Rick didn't consistently recruit at the level that Kirby Smart recruits at. So sometimes the grass ain't always green on the other side. We'll see, but that, that's my two cents on it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. This, this topic's come up in a national conversation again. And I just – I think what it really comes down to is Georgia, again, just has another disappointing – you know, they get up for one of these games and then they're just deflated again. And, and Nick Saban, once again, is is pulling it away. And, you know, they just – that story repeated itself a lot. Like you said, when Mark Rick was there and just wonder how many more years they're going to put up with it here, especially with the recruits he's getting. you got to think, man, put it together at some point, you know, but – here nor there. Um, so, you know, moving on from that game, obviously, you know, big credit to Alabama, took care of business. I think they solidified themselves to the 1A to the 1B of Clemson once again. So, for like the sixth straight year, that is the that is the landscape. And, it, God, it really doesn't feel like there's any team that's close right now to number three. I mean, number three feels like an ocean between one and two. And maybe we'll see if any team can challenge that. Look, look at the rest of the games over the weekend. You know, Miami bounced back, but that, that loss in Clemson really takes the win out of the ACC sales. You got Notre Dame at number three. But I think we're going to find out Notre Dame is really not all that good, which, you know, right. no surprise there. Like, that three years. Notre Dame. Um, like y'all said, you, you know, know, Mark Stewart. You know who, who I think number three? I'm not even – y'all might laugh. I think the number three team in the country is Texas A&M. I'm not even bullcrap. If you yeah. actually look at it, if you actually look at it, that game wasn't as bad with Alabama as it looks on paper. And then you go and see what they did on Florida, and you look at the rest of that top ten – Look, give me another team outside of Clemson yeah. and Alabama that could beat Texas A&M that's in that top ten. Because, I mean, we haven't seen Ohio State play yet. We that, haven't seen that's them play the, yet. Really, that's the wild card. So, and I guess you could say Georgia could also be – if they if Georgia A&M played today, I'd probably pick Georgia, but it'd be close. You know, it'd be, it'd be a toss-up. But it just – man, it just feels like Clemson Alabama again. But, you know, I'll take just a minute here. I am going to congratulate my Florida State Seminoles real quick. Uh, job well done, even though they tried to blow it at the end of that game. I was thinking, man, we're going to rewrite the choke at Doak because we're going to need to need that phrase from history to come up again. 
Uh, of course, we've seen the 94 game where they rallied back against Florida to tie it up. But neither nor there. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for Florida State, this is a landmark win for Mike Norvell, obviously. Um, desperately, desperately needed win. I mean, the arrow was starting to trend up a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. But I think that what we really saw was coaching adjustments that we never saw with Willie Taggart, or even the last year or two with Jimbo Fisher. I mean, th- this staff took a new quarterback. They completely ripped the, up all the game plans. They rewrote everything. And they've gotten these guys to play to their abilities. And it's just something we never saw with Willie Taggart. And that's people ask, well, why was Willie fired for two seasons? Da, da, da. Because they never did something like this. They, they like Willie never got that win that says, oh, okay, this guy can turn it around. After this win, I already feel like Mike Norvell could turn this team around eventually. Not 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 next week, not you know, the end of the season or whatever, but he's already to me proven I'm a good coach, I can game plan, I can adapt, I can overcome. And that's what they did. You know, the, I think really the coaching is what's turned the team around. So it's good news for there, uh, for that. Um, although they didn't really try to blow it at the end of that last drive. I mean, Let's be real. North Carolina just dropped a bunch of passes and lost because they couldn't just catch a ball to hit him in the hands. But hey, that's how it is, I guess. You know. Um, so so yeah, big win there. And, and yeah, the rest of the action for the weekend was nice. But I, I'm really looking forward to next weekend, which we'll get into Friday when we get the Big Ten back. So look forward to that. All right, so I'm finished off with rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Let's go, Jay. All right, let's do it. After a blowout loss to the Cardinals, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones says he's not in a feel-good mood. Scale of 1 to 10 with 10 the highest. How concerned should Jerry be? Yeah, I bet he ain't in a feel-good mood. Hey, you need to go pop you some painkillers and go snort you some Ben Gay because you ain't going to be feeling good at all this season. But to answer the question, I give him a smooth four. That's what I give him. Good luck with the rest of the season. The Indiana Pacers has hired Toronto Raptors assistant Nate Bjork to be their, their new head coach. What do you think of the move? Uh, well, considering that all I really know about him is that he worked for Nick Nurse, uh, that's good enough for me. That'll, that'll do work just fine. George's Kirby Smart says he is sticking with Stetson Bennett at quarterback despite, despite the lopsided loss at Alabama. Good move, or would you make a change? Yo, I tell you what, I don't want to hear nothing else about JT Daniels at this point, then. If Stetson Benson can show you what he showed you at that little height that he is, that means JT Daniels, either he's just not good or he's really more hurt than we think he is. Like, Because at this point, JT uh, Daniels is supposed to be some five-star, fresh-out-the-pan prospect, and clearly he can't get on the field. So I don't know. I, I'm not trusting that. I would be making the change, but hey, Kirby Smart, he the coach, he get paid the big bucks. Kansas Jayhawks for Sevilio de Sosa is opting out of an upcoming basketball season for personal reasons. I wonder what that is. What, what's your reaction to this news? No, don't worry about it. I'll fill in the blanks for you. You know, I, I think I think what he's going to do is he's going to go WWE. He's going to beat up people with chairs. You know what I'm about? I think that's what's going on here. <laughs> a lot of speculation on this NBA item, but the Bucks maintain that they have no intention of trading the Greek fleet, a Greek freak. Is that the right choice, or should they reconsider? No, nah, I'm, I'm holding on to the Greek freak about as long as I can get her. Unless he comes in the office and say, I ain't doing boop, unless you trade me. No, nah, I'm holding on to him. I do understand the question, though. You can run a risk of getting the, the Kevin Durant special, but um, it is what it is. He's too good to just trade on a whim. So, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I agree with him. I, I'm keeping him as long as I can. 
Washington team president Jason Wright said there's a good chance his team could still be known as the football team in 2020. What the? How do you feel about this? That's God. It's so ridiculous. The ridiculousness continues. Should have they? They need now instead now whatever I don't know. Week I don't know. A month was too fast to come up with a name. Now they need 13 months to come up with a name. I don't know. Terrible. Bengals speedy wide receiver John Ross has requested a trade. You got any suggestions on a team that should take him? I haven't even seen enough out of John Ross to even give him a suggestion. I, I need to see more out of him. Like, what has he done? Like, honestly, I'm I'm trying to think. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, he, re- he ran real fast at the combine. I remember that season he – He ran fast, yep. I don't know. Whatever team that got a few bucks spent, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen much out of them, so I'm going to leave that alone. Whoa. Um, something County has issued a stay-at-home order due to COVID-19, but is reportedly not expected to impact the Michigan Wolverines football. Your thoughts? I just I just can't believe we're still doing stay-at-home orders. I think that's that's quite – that's just a little bit extra to me. 15 days of slow spread, right? Nebraska plans to start junior quarterback Adrian Martinez this weekend against Ohio State. Is that the right choice? I think so. Um, I think this is probably the year that this young man shows that he got the skills for the wheels and it's going to make a deal. Um, so I do think he, he'll show up, uh, do some things against Ohio State, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like what, what George was alluding to in the last segment. Ohio State got the talent, got way too much talent for Nebraska, so – he might not come out and blow you away, but I think he'll do enough where you say, oh, I can understand why he just started for Nebraska. Last one, Giants and Eagles on Thursday night. Who you got, baby? It's a rare occasion where we have one winner and two losers. The Eagles win, the Giants, and the fans lose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.